Hello, lovelies. Welcome to the Fat Joy Podcast, where we talk each week about how to flourish in an anti-fat world. I'm Sophia, a fat person and professional coach who loves talking to other fat people about what it's like to live within oppressive systems that marginalize our bodies and how we still dare to have the audacity and courage to reach towards our collective liberation and embrace our joy. Please know this is an adult content podcast, so there will be swears. We will be talking about harms we've experienced, and we will be rebelling against diet culture, anti-fatness, ableism, racism, etc. If you'd like to support the Fat Joy podcast and get bonus content as a thank you, please check us out at patreon.com slash fatjoy. I am so glad you're here with us. Enjoy. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Fat Joy podcast. I am Sophia, and I'm here with Kara McBee, who is oh, someone I have been dying to talk to, is a performer and makes the most incredible, hilarious, like spit my coffee out of my mouth and it comes out of my nose content on Instagram and all the other platforms. Um, I've been following you, Kara, for quite some time. And I think what grabbed my attention first, and maybe I saw it, someone else shared it, and we'll talk about this, was the um, the content piece or the bit that you do around the hotline, people calling in to these various hotlines. And you as the like the call, the person on the receiving end, the like almost like the operator. And it's just, we'll talk about it. It is so funny. If anyone has not checked out Kara's Instagram, I suggest you pause this recording, go immediately watch some of those videos. They've, she's got a bunch, sorry, they've got a bunch pinned and, uh, and then come back to us. So Kara. I am so excited. Thank you for joining. And I'm hoping you can tell us a little bit about yourself. Get us started. Okay. Well, hi. Thank you for having me, first of all. Um, yeah, I'm Cara McBee and I'm a content creator, performer, comedian, writer, all the things. Um, and I always pause on the word activist because I don't really know if I could claim that word, but I try and put stuff out there about fat liberation and trying to also go it's still doing my own unlearning process myself just trying to share dismantling all the harmful things that we've been taught and specifically focusing on my being fat and queer um and yeah and it resonates with people so that's Mm -hmm. nice (laughs) Mm -hmm. it absolutely does it absolutely does um the content creation that you do, I'm just, I'm curious, you mentioned it, is it, is it specifically for socials or do you do content creation for other people too? Or is it your content creation? I have, I have done it for the people, but it started off me doing it myself. Um, and yeah, and it's, it's mostly me doing it for me. Yeah. It's so good. It's so good. It's, I was saying before we start recording, I love how physical you get with your content. So let's start with my favorite question, which is what is your relationship to the word fat? How has this word shown up in your life? I love it now. I didn't always. Um, When I was younger, it was leveled against me a lot. And at times when I wasn't even fat, my body's gone all, you know, up, down, sideways. It's it's been all the things. Um, But it was... It was always, it was never ever a good thing to be, to have thrown at you. Um, and it was often thrown around. Um, and it's just something that it's not, it's not even just the being called fat, because especially when in the times when I was called fat and my body was correspondingly fat, it wasn't, it's like, I know I'm fat, but it's more just somebody highlighting that they're judging you right then and there and they're scrutinizing you. And they're making assumptions about your body and also making assumptions about your character based on what your body looks like. And one person can just say, hey, fatty, and that's it. Tumble, 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 all of that negative stuff. You're like, you're looking at me, you're perceiving me in a certain way. It's horrible. Um, it was horrible. Now it's, you know, water off a duck's back. I'm kind of like, yeah, I know what you're trying to do and it's not going to work. I love, I love that a lot of the fat community have reclaimed it. I love that it's just 
a neutral descriptor for a lot of us now, just like saying someone's tall or they have blonde hair. My favorite thing about it is the way I've incorporated it into the things that I teach my kids as well. You know, it's just, it's, it's a lovable word at home. You know, some people get taken aback because sometimes my, my son is special. will be like, Hey, big fat mama. But he says it in a celebratory <laughs> way. He knows I love the word. He knows I'm comfortable with it. Obviously he also knows he can't just go around calling, you know, other people big fat mama. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, people get taken aback. Like you allow your son to call you fat. I'm like, but he's not name calling. He's just, you know, He's just like, or if we're dancing, he'll be like, yeah, shake your fat belly, mama. And, you know, it's stuff like that. And he, and he knows that I love it. So it's, 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 I love that. And I will tell a quick story. Actually, I did, I did warn you beforehand that I waffled. I will tell you a quick story. One of my favorite things about that was there was a kid in his class and he was only about five at the time who tried to upset him by saying your mom's fat. And because at home, the word fat was just a nothing word. He just went, yeah okay <laughs> it was not it had no totally effect. deflated the bully and he came home and told me he said you know so and so said you were fat today and i was like yeah and like, why why would he say that mum? what a strange you know like, it was so bizarre to him because he was like it's just like saying your mom wears glasses like it's just it's just a yeah. fact <laughs> and so then I, I explained i said well some people try and use it to upset to upset others and he was like oh okay well you know i wasn't bothered so that always makes you feel like, yes, good, you know, reclaiming it for ourselves and the next generation and yeah, as much as possible, putting it out there as a positive, it's a positive word now. I take it as a compliment now. Someone says, you're fat. I'm like, yes, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for noticing. I am. Yeah. How old is your son now? He's eight. Eight. Yeah. Is he at that age where he's starting to be influenced by diet culture and what he sees perhaps, I don't know if your kids are like my stepkids, but uh, the things they see on their devices, on TikTok, on all of that, it's pretty shocking how blatantly steeped in diet culture it is. So I'm curious if there's this, like, is he starting to butt up against what you've taught him, what he's known at home with what he's experiencing? And what's, what's that like for you as a parent? Absolutely. He gets, yeah, he gets a lot from like his favorite, he watch, he watches gamers on YouTube and stuff like that. And, you know, even, even when, because obviously I, I'm, I, you know, I'm careful with what he watches, but um, even when they're just, you know, they're teasing each other, the gamers, there's the word fat will get thrown in. Oh, you fat something. And it'll be fat, silly Billy. It'll be, something else innocent you know there's no swearing or anything because of the parental controls but it's still like why is fat allowed to get in there like that and the way it comes off their tongue so casually like it's just it's it's a it's harmless when they want it to be yes you know they see it as it's fine to throw around whenever this is one of the things I came up against with my son actually because I realized he was because he would always come and tell me like oh so-and-so said fat on this video and then he started putting back a bit and I wondered why, because we've always been really open with each other. And I realized it was because when I was explaining that, you know, it's not brilliant to do to do that, he was getting a bit upset because he likes these people and he doesn't want them to sort of be in trouble with me, quote unquote, in trouble. Or like bad people, because they're so dichotomy at that age, right? It's like they're good people or they're bad people. How can these be bad people? So I had that was a, it was a good opportunity for a conversation where I was like, you know what? I, I, I was, I was there when I was younger. I made the mistake of, you know, thinking fat was bad and thinking it was, you know, just something that you could casually throw around. I've, I've learned to not do that. Hopefully someone will help to educate them and they will learn one day too. It doesn't mean they're, they're bad people. It just means they've not had all the, been given all the tools and the education. And so that, that helped because now he's like, oh, you know, so-and-so said this and I guess they just haven't learned yet. But that's not okay. Um, and yeah, so yeah, but it's it, it's everywhere. It's and it's as I say, it's just so flippant. It's just no thought goes into it whatsoever. Yeah, it and and when this episode airs, this will be mm, a couple months old. This news that just came out this week around, I think it was the American Pediatric Association. I'm, I'm sure I got that wrong, but some kind of you know recognized organizing body around pediatrics and how they're now basically have been given the green light for bariatric surgery for as young as 13. That's disgraceful. 
Right. And I just think, holy shit, like that the doors have just been opened for young people. And I saw a great meme. I wish I could remember. It was one of those I was scrolling through Instagrams. I don't remember who did it, but it was um, some kind of one of the fat activists I follow had this post something like, you know, when I was 13, I would have begged for gastric surgery. And now at 30, I'm so glad I didn't have that choice. And it's that really hit me because yeah, I really related to that. And so now I think about your eight-year-old. I think about, you know, my stepkids who are, you know, in that, those teen, preteen years. And then you've got doctors coming in in their white coats and having these opinions and recommendations. And of course, we trust our doctors. And it's just terrifying to me. It's terrifying to me as well as as, as someone whose parent was quite obsessed with my weight and my body, knowing I would have I would have been gleefully put into into a program of intervention. Yes. That scares me as well massively. And I it's just it's one thing I mean obviously with parents it's it, you see them as an authority figure and, and you trust that they are doing everything that's correct for you as a kid that's what you believe even if it's hurting you at the time as a child you've got no other option than to believe that they're doing what they believe is best for me and to have that then confirmed by doctors is just it's just and and they were talking about interventions from as young as two. Oh my god two years old yeah ball <laughs> i know <laughs> okay well this is the perfect lead in then we're going to take all this anger <laughs> <laughs> and this idea that how do we change people's minds? I feel like so much of your comedy, so much of what you put out there, your content is about bringing, and I think this is what the best people who do comedy do, the ones who I really love, is they bring wit and humor to really complicated subjects. And I feel like that's what you're doing brilliantly with your work. So I'm so curious, how did you start walking this path? Like, how did you say to your, at what point did you say to yourself, you know what, I'm going to like get in a bikini and I'm going to take the lyrics to super califragilistic and I'm going to change it to super fatty, fabulistic bodies out in focus. <laughs> and then the, the refrain, which is wearing a bikini, I'm not going to die wearing a bikini. I'm not going to die. Like, how did you get to there? <laughs> this whole idea of I'm going to change people's minds with comedy. Okay, so the first thing is the first ever video that I did that kind of kicked off and made me think, okay, well, I'll keep doing more of this um, online was I didn't really realize how many people it would resonate with, not just from a point of view of fat people wanting other people to understand that, you know, hi, we're human, like, let's not degrade us all the time, but also people across the body spectrum who have, like, always especially like, i mean i'm a sort of elder millennial have have grown up with with all of this messaging around our bodies and everyone was like yes good we're dismantling this now great and a lot of people were coming to say that they're, they're doing their own work as well which i thought was really you know really uh, galvanized me even more because that's why I started doing it because I had a lot of work to do you know I was raised by someone who was extremely fat phobic bigoted in many ways and I learned to copy that as we do as kids you you know you're, you learn to mimic everything from walking talking and then if you don't grow up in an area where there's other people combating that loudly or showing you that there's a different path that's the path you're on until you kind of move away from that it wasn't until I'd sort of been moved out of home for four or five years and I'd got completely away from that sphere of influence where I started to unravel stuff. Because it was all stuff that didn't sit well with me, but at the same time, I still kind of felt justified in projecting it a lot of the time myself. But I definitely caused harm. I never want to shy away from that because can't, even though I'm not doing that now, I can't distance myself from from that. And I think it's important as well for people in their own journeys, it, it's good to acknowledge the harm that you've caused as well. Because if you don't want to get that out there, it's like a plug. You've got to unplug that. It's not nice to to admit that you've caused harm, especially if you believe yourself to be, you know, an inherently good person. 
but if you don't pull that band-aid off you're not going to dig deep and and get to the other stuff so yeah i, I realize i've gone <laughs> all, all around the world in that one but yeah so to come back to the videos that was my thing so i was like i've figured out some stuff on how my patterns worked and what were my thoughts and what were things that had just been pumped in there and I want to try and show you how ridiculous some of the stuff is that we learn and the ways in which they're reinforced and I just want people to just think about it for a second even if one of my videos makes someone angry and they think I'm wrong hopefully something something one little part of it seeps in there and they go Ashley maybe I am and they might dismiss it again immediately, but it might just be a little seed that drops in. And then that's my hope anyway, in an ideal world. Yes. Well, and how did you know to do it with humor? Are, have you always been the funny person? Yeah, I've always been the class clown. Yeah, <laughs> I was always, always, you know, that classic coping with my trauma by being funny. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so yeah, it's it's always been, I've always tried to put, a funny spin on things, particularly things that are difficult or painful. Um, so yeah, that's, that was one of the reasons behind it. And also I'm kind of, it's, it's admittedly a bit of a shield for me as I well. was talking about difficult topics. Well, if you're just putting a funny video out there, you can be like, Hey, it's just, you know, it's, it's a lighthearted, funny video. You don't have to take it too seriously if you don't want to, but the message is there if you want to take it on board. So, so yeah, it works as a shield both ways. I think a little bit people can, you know, absorb it as the funny thing, or they can dig a bit deeper if they want to. And equally, I've got that kind of slight barrier there as well. Right. I wonder, you know, it's so interesting when you say it as a shield. I'm also thinking about it in terms of safety. It gives you a bit of safety, gives them a bit of safety. And maybe that's where there ends up being space for that seed to drop in a little further where it takes it, it's less risky. Whereas what I tend to do is, I mentioned before we start recording, I just get pissed off, angry, and I'm like, that's wrong, here's why, and go to listen to this podcast. And and then I just like walk away, I'm like, I'm done. I have no sense of humor <laughs> about any of this. I just, I can't access it. I, and, you know, for whatever reason, maybe that'll shift, but that's where I am right now. And so that's why I think when I saw your videos and I watched, actually, I watched the one this morning that you have pinned around pronoun usage, which is like the Colin Center kind of one. And because, again, I'm also really curious about this other, the two other identities that you have. You are um, non-binary and you're queer. And I'm, I'm when you were learning about fatness, fat liberation, playing with that word, was that was that around the same time where you were also exploring queerness and non-binariness? I'm so curious about how those have connected. Everything kind of snowballed for me. I found that it was the fat community that I found first in terms of finding my people. It was, uh, I was at the end of my tether with diets and I didn't realize at the time that I was needy in my second eating disorder. And um, it's not, it's not actually classed as one, but I was orthorexic. That's not an actual classified one. It's not, no. But it's, for people that don't know, it's just when you're, you're going overboard on scrutinizing every single ingredient that goes into every single thing that you put in your mouth and you just, and you're clean eating obsessed. Um, and it was just sucking my time away more than any other diet because it was, I was spending like four hours in a supermarket trying to do grocery shopping because I was just reading every label 500 times and putting things back and picking them back up again. And yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was the one that kind of made me sort of hit rock bottom and think I've, something's got to give. Right. And that was when I found the anti-diet communities online and fat communities and a lot of what they were saying just it was just this massive sense of relief like oh my god I don't have to do this <laughs> there's another way I can actually be happy with my body because I just never heard that anywhere before never never and, and so many people are completely shut off yeah from that and even now with with the fat acceptance and body positivity movements being more prevalent 
people are deciding to not really see it. They just they're there to fight it if they want to, but they're not seeing because they don't want to. The, the blinkers are on. They're not they're not having it. But yeah, I, well, I was ready. I was ready and willing to see it at that time of my life. And then it kind of some of the things they were talking about about you know the condi- social conditioning that we receive and the messaging around fatness. It made me tug on other threads. Um, and yeah, everything snowballed. And with the non-binary thing, I've always been non-binary. I've never felt like a girl and I didn't want to be a boy particularly. And I, so I've always had that under there, but I didn't feel like I had a choice. Again, no one told me it was okay to kind of just tap out. <laughs> um, so just kept plodding along, trying to be a successful, be successful at being a woman. And it wasn't until again, uh, tugging on those threads. And then I found the queer community and, and, uh, the the biggest thing that helped me was people saying, you know, whatever situation you're in right now, your identity is valid. Whether you're out, whether you're not out, whether you're in a relationship that doesn't match up with your sexuality, whether you're, you know, pretending to be a gender that you're not comfortable with, all of the whatever's whatever's going on, whatever face you're putting onto the world now, does not invalidate your identity and who you are inside. And messages like that, we're trying not get teary now. That's so powerful. Yeah, messages like that massively helped me to figure out more stuff on my own. And then eventually, I felt able to come out and say, "No, this label does belong to me as well, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna claim it for me." So yeah, just honestly, finding communities is 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 the key because you don't. I actually put this on my Twitter the other day. I can't remember how I phrased it exactly, but. There's something like until you're shown that there's there is love and acceptance in everywhere, until you're fully shown that and you can fully believe it, it's really hard to pull yourself out of those rigid boxes that society set for us. It's really hard. Yeah, because we can't imagine. I mean, when you said, I really resonated when you said when someone told you you could love your body. I remember, I think, hearing that or reading that for the first time and it being a revolutionary thought. You mean, I don't have to hate the way my body looks. You know, I don't have to do calorie math or Weight Watchers points or whatever it was I was doing. Like, I I don't, isn't that just how we live? Isn't that just how I breathe in the world? And and then, and then I often feel, I, you know, I feel I've, I've felt a very similar thing as I've been doing a lot of other anti-oppression work around neurodiversity, around racism, around all these things. And I'm like, how did I not know this before? And I'm deeply sad. And there's a bit of a grief process that I've been going through every time I learn a little more of how, like you said, how I have caused harm, how I've caused harm to other fat people in the past, how I've been racist unintentionally, and how am I going to deep, how am I deprogramming those pieces? Like, um, and so it's, it's just, it, the peeling back of the layers is a thing. Yeah, absolutely. And there is a, there is a lot of grieving involved as well, because Diet, exactly as you said, dieting felt as automatic as breathing. Hating my body felt as automatic as breathing because that's what I'd been taught from as young as I can remember. The first comment I remember being made about my body was when I was four years old and I was told I was too fat to do ballet. And that's still obviously still with me now. And, you know, and it's everywhere and it's, you get it, you get it at home. A lot of people get it at home. You get it from friends and family. And then also the media as well, obviously. There's no one there's no one who looks like us in the media unless it's for a sob story or, you know, kind of or a kind of celebration of like they lost all the weight. And it's like, okay, great. So the I look like the before picture. And that's the one you're telling everybody is bad. It, it's everywhere. It comes at you from all angles. So it is really hard to believe there is a space elsewhere where there are people who are not throwing that at you all the time. In fact, quite the opposite. We're celebrating each other. And that's, but if you're brave enough to, to take a step over there, then it's, oh, I can't explain how much love I have for the queer community and the fat community because honestly, I genuinely saved my life, actually. Genuinely, yeah. I 100% feel the same. I agree. Realizing that we don't have to struggle through this alone, whatever this is. Yeah, it's massive. It's massive to know that. And also, I feel like 
those communities gave me so much permission to do really important things for my own safety, like set boundaries, have conversations with people where I was very clear about what works for me, what doesn't work for me. Like there, there, it was, there was so much empowerment and agency given to me when by others who had already walked this path, done this work and were like, oh, hey, try this. <laughs> I was like, thank you. Cause I, I, didn't know how to, I couldn't, there's no way I could do it on my own or come up with this by myself. So yeah. Yeah. And that's why I think your work is so great too, to bring, to bring it back to you, Cara. Um, <laughs> and your brilliance is that even I just, again, thinking about that video I watched this morning around gender where, or, or pronouns about someone calling into this call center, not, you know, objecting to having to use people's chosen pronouns. And the conversation, we only hear one side of the conversation in, in these videos, but we get a real sense of the objections that the person is having. And they are the objections that we see and hear all the time around us, right? In media, from people we know, and, and then, and you counter them in such a way where there's humor, where there's possible learning if people don't understand why we should use people's pronouns. And I'm what has been the impact? Have you have these performances, these clips, the this content you're putting out there, has it changed people's minds? Have you heard from people? I've had I've heard from people who it, it, that what they'll do is they'll kind of lurk on my page for a while and then I'll get a message saying I've actually followed you for a long time. But only now am I coming to say something. And once I got somebody who messaged me a few times, kind of doing that thing where they were, you know, that sort of playing devil's advocate, or I just want to, I just want to check. And I knew I could tell it was they weren't being kind, really, but they were trying to hide behind curiosity and questioning. So they didn't get a block. I thought I'm just going to leave them. I'll stop responding. I'll mute the messages, but they can stick around and maybe, you know, and later on I did get a message to say, you know what, slowly but surely <laughs> my mind is being changed. And I was like, that's awesome. That's, that's all I want really. Like I'm not saying people have to get it then and there. I'm not saying people should watch my video and be like, mind changed. Thank you. That's never going to work. No. I don't think that's possible with a lot of this in deep indoctrination. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like it did, that's not how it happened for me. But then that's what a couple of other people have said of like, you know, do you actually think you're helping people with this? And I said, you know, it's not, it doesn't matter who I'm helping really, whether it is somebody is going to change their mind or if I'm helping a fat person to laugh and get through their day, like it's not, it doesn't have to be one specific type of person that I'm, helping and you know I two people can do the exact same thing and people will gravitate towards one or the other just because that's the sort of person that they vibe with better and so that's another factor like people are not always going to vibe with my videos but if somebody else did the same thing they might so like it's it's fine if it doesn't help people as long as it's not harming people it doesn't matter I had one person once come and say well, no one's going to listen to you if, you if you're being patronizing. And I, I sat with that for a minute and I thought, mm, but that almost kind of tells me that you did actually listen to what I said in a way, because you're kind of saying, well, I would listen to you, but I don't want to now. <laughs> Cause I, I mean, I, I don't, I do, I know the videos, part of the humor with the hotline videos is it's a, it's a little bit, really? Are you really thinking that? It's what I love the most about them. <laughs> when this person said that I thought so you know that it's hit you in that way you know this is who it's I'm talking to so yeah that was another person I thought maybe maybe a little seed has dropped um but yeah I mean it's 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 one of those things like with all content creation you've just got to kind of throw your thing out there and if it sticks with people it sticks with people if it doesn't it doesn't that's cool and as long as it's not hurting anyone and people are laughing I'm gonna keep doing it absolutely how do you have the confidence to throw it out there? That's a question I hear all the time because you're very bold, Kara. You're deeply bold. And <laughs> that has been said. 
on more than one occasion. You know what? It's do you know what would kill me more than having a ton of trolls come to my page and tell me horrible stuff is if it just got completely ignored. That's 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 the harder thing. That's the harder thing because I I mean like I, I'm I'm always I'm always performing like around the house. I'm singing, I'm I'm making jokes, I'm you know, I'm that's just me. You said like, you asked me earlier how I came up with the super fatty, flabulistic. It literally just will come into my brain. That's it. And I'm I'm always making up other lyrics to songs. Like if there's a song on, <laughs> my son hates it actually because he'll be like, "Mom, can I play a song?" And he'll put a song on the speakers, and then I'm just making it about me farting or something. <laughs> like I'm just changing the lyrics all the time. So, so yeah, it's just it's just my brain. It's just my brain. That's how it works. So yeah, I'm always. That's just always me. And I can't during the pandemic when I started making videos, I was we all locked down and stuff. I really tapped into a part of me, another part of me that had been hidden away and buried for so long because being creative doesn't make money and you can't do that. And I just put it away as like, oh, there's no point. Don't don't do that. Just and it was too painful to bring it back out because it's something that I enjoy so much. But with that nagging voice of like you're wasting time doing it so now like I can't put it away anymore it's out <laughs> it's, it's not going back in the box so that's another that's another thing it's not even so much confidence it's just riding that wave now I I just it's it's not it's not going back there and but I do still have moments where I shy away a little bit and I'm like oh everybody hates me <laughs> that's just you know my um my brain just likes to work against me sometimes. So, well, is that connected to troll comments? I was, I am so curious if you get a lot of trolly type. No, the, no. Again, it's not. It's not. It's never connected to the troll comments because honestly, I. This is going to sound really bad, and I do occasionally worry about myself. I quite enjoy the troll comments because I'm kind of like right. Let's see what we can do here. And sometimes, and I will judge it depending. And sometimes I do just delete and block and move on because I'm not in the mood. I don't have the energy. That's the first thing I do is evaluate what's going with me. Do I have the time to deal with this? And sometimes I will try and not reason with them because I think if they're coming to trolls, there's no reasoning. But I will, again, just try and put little seeds in there. Sometimes with humor. That's why I quite like it because it's another chance to just be funny and silly. But the other thing I like to do is sometimes I kind of play this game with them where I'm like, I don't, I don't understand what you mean. Like, I don't, what is it you're saying exactly? Like, exactly? Get to the point. And at, at best, I'm wasting their time, right? But so again, I kind of think I really want you to just hear yourself and hear how ridiculous it is. And I also kind of want them to know you're not always going to be able to get at people in the way that you want to and I'm not going to give you the satisfaction of I'm not going to give you that thing that you're seeking which is to feel good about yourself by poking at somebody else I'm not going to give that to you and that kind of makes me feel like again at the again at the very at the very least I've taken their attention away from somebody else like bring it bring it over here because I always say I have thick thighs but thicker skin bring it my way like I don't mind and the humor helps. The humor helps. I, I'm quite quick-witted, so I can be like, pew, pew. so yeah. No, the, the trolls don't affect my confidence. But having said that, there are some people that I've seen on social media who get like walls and walls and walls and walls and walls of comments. Mine don't come in like that. I think something about being funny maybe puts people off a little bit. They're like, I don't want to be clapped back at. That's not, you know, I might just leave that one alone. Like a heckler gets heckled back. That's a very scary thing for the bully. The bully being called out, really, in a way. Yeah. I don't get as much as other people. I think if I was bombarded with it massively, massively on a daily basis, there's no doubt it would it would affect me. Because it's just, again, it's just knowing, like I said earlier with the word fat, it's not even so much about the word. It's just knowing someone is looking at you in that way and having those feelings about you. If it was on mass, I think it, the, yeah, it, it would, it would get to me, but mine kind of trickle in, you know, two or three a day and I can, you know, bat them away as and when. 
do you do live shows also? I've I've dipped my toe into stand up comedy. I I did a course and I did one teeny tiny little five minute open mic spot last year and I loved it and I want to do more. It's just hard to schedule it. Yeah, I, I it's something that is a work in progress at the minute. Do you have any advice for people when we are confronted with people who feel we are not worthy because of our fatness or other identities? Like, is there, what, what advice would you give us? How do we deal with that? Not even to change people's minds, even just to like be present. The first thing for me, I think is, because something that astonished me was how other people's thoughts and opinions were lodged in my brain and I believed them to be mine for so long. I just assumed, yes, I also think like this. Because it would just rattle off the tongue as a sort of auto response. I wrote in an article recently, I felt like Pavlov's dog. Like, you know, you see somebody who you've been taught for some reason is not looking after their body or, you know, they're doing the wrong things. And that resp the, a response becomes immediately into your brain. And it's, so my advice would to be when you, when you, if you're struggling with somebody else saying things to you, if you've ever experienced that, like, because I mean, we've all, we've all had our internalized stuff as well, you know, thinking badly about our own bodies. Whose voice is it? If it's you talking to yourself, whose voice is it that's saying it? And if it's somebody else, can you disregard it? Because is it somebody literally just parroting? Have they put any critical thought into what they're saying at all? Probably not. Probably not. We're doing advice to others and um, noticing whose voice is talking when we're having those thoughts about ourselves. I think that's really, really brilliant advice. And it, that that kind of interrogation, that question, questioning of our inner voice, that took me years. I don't know about you, but I still sometimes, I think I will have solved it and then something will happen. Oh, you know, I went to a restaurant recently and for the, not for the first time, but there was only one place to sit. I was with my partner, only one place to sit and it was a booth that did not have a movable table in the middle. And they had other chairs that could have worked, but it was a full restaurant. We didn't have reservations, blah, blah, blah. And I thought that I have, I have done the work for years. It crumpled me. I felt like my whole sense of humanity had been stripped away. And I silently had tears going down my face while I was driving home for the next 30 minutes. It was brutal. And I keep thinking about it because I think, God, haven't I done the work? Why did I still have such a big response? And when I, when I interrogated with it, when I sat with it, there were voices still showing up that were not my voice. <laughs> they were other people's voices. We were, we were taught for so long that our bodies are the problem and we have to fit a mold. Physically, mentally, we have to, you know, toe a certain line and we walk into a place and we don't fit. And then all of that stuff comes flying back. Like, okay, it's my problem. I'm the problem. I've got it. You know, and it's not the case. It's not the case at all. It's an accessibility issue. We, it's a fat phobia issue. It's people not considering us because for so long they also have not had to consider fat people as actual human beings with needs. And they've, they've always, everyone's been told, the whole world's been told, you can lose weight, you can slim down, you can be smaller. Just do it, do it, do it. And for so long nobody's been taking into account that our bodies are not naturally all meant to be small. They're just not. And so, yeah, no, it does. Sometimes it just, it hits. And then it also depends on, you know, your mood in general and what else has been going on in your life. The more tired I am, the more easily those bad thoughts come in. The more energized I am, the more, you know, I'm content in other areas of my life, the easier it is to go, actually, fuck off. Not listening to you. Goodbye. Close the door on you. I was done with you ages ago. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to come back to, because I wrote a little note to myself and I cannot let you go without asking you this question, is how did you come up with the hotline? 
Ah, so it's not, it's not a very exciting story, but I was jotting down some stuff in my notes on my phone as I do, like ideas about um, phobia and kind of having a chat with myself about, you know, the ways in which I viewed the world, but obviously also put those rules onto myself um, and was harming myself as well as everybody else. And, you know, it'd be nice if other people realized how much they're harming themselves. You know, they might think if they throw out a fat comment, they're just going to hurt the person they're pointing at, but they're not. They're hurting themselves as well. And so I was thinking, I'm mulling all that over in my brain and doing some self-reflection and writing some notes down. And then I kind of thought, I was think I've been on TikTok a lot and I was viewing, looking, obviously following a lot of fat creators. I'd seen so many troll comments and I just thought, these people need like help in a way. <laughs> like they need somewhere where they can like, if only there was like a filter process where they could kind of, you know, before they type this comment, there's like a, you know, should I do this? Will this make me feel good? Will I hurt somebody else? I'm, to be fair, a lot of the time they obviously don't care if they're hurting anyone else or not. But but yeah, so I, I literally then just wrote a script and it got to like 3 a.m. because my brain was racing. I wrote a script. I sat down in front of my phone, filmed it, put it on TikTok. And I was quite scared at that point because I'd never put anything out there like that. And then I just went to bed and I thought, if it's crap, I'll delete it in the morning. If nobody's looked at it, I'll delete it. And I woke up and my phone had blown up. <gasps> and I was like, this is either going to be really good or really bad. Because I thought, oh, I, I pissed so many people off. And I thought it was going to be all trolls, but it wasn't. It was mostly positive. And I couldn't believe it. And there were people saying, do more, do more. And I was like, okay, I can do that. Yeah, I'm, I'm you know, I've got it in me. Like, I've got the ideas. Let's go. So, yeah, and then I, I, I did a few more. And I'm going to bring them back, actually. I haven't done a hotline for a long time, but I am going to bring them back. Can you describe, for people who haven't seen it, can you describe a little bit what it what it is? Okay, so basically I'm, I'm a call center operator and people who are trolls call in with, obviously you can't hear them. I'm, I'm just, you, you can only see me as the call operator um, and my response is to them. Um, but they're, the idea is that they're calling in, com- basically just complaining about fat people being online and existing and they're throwing out all the usual tropes like, this person's promoting obesity and you know stuff like that and I try to tackle the things that they're saying and sometimes I tackle them and sometimes I'm just like really that's all, that's all you got <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it's a it's um it's a good way to kind of verbally because I mean you see online you see yeah, there's loads of great creators online who are who are you know replying to comments and talking about discussing their trolls online and stuff but I think it's just a good visual and verbal way to sort of hear it out loud and put a bit of a funny spin on it so it's entertaining as well I hope that describes it adequately it's so brilliant I I think I don't know if it was that first one but that's definitely how I first because I, I I'm pretty sure it was shared really widely one of them and uh and was that did you do that during the pandemic is that yeah it was 2020 yeah 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 okay interesting is that your most popular piece? Is that how a lot of people come to find you? That one and the, the super fatty one as well is really popular. Um, people seem to love me jiggling about in my undies or my bikini. Yes. And and then also the other call center one that was about being non-binary as well. That one, that one was really popular. Sadly though, I think my most viewed video on TikTok was one that was really ridiculous. It just... Some one of those ones where it's like, tell me you have a situation without telling me, and then you have to do something visual. So it was, tell me you have big boobs without telling me you have big boobs, and I just pretended to be running on the spot and to twat myself in the face with, with a boob. And it was such, it was such, it was another one of those like, oh, it's just a silly bit of slapstick. <laughs> of all the good messages I put out there, that's the one <laughs> that's got the most. Me slapping myself in the head with a tip. <laughs> Okay, I don't think I've seen that one. I'm going to have to go and search for that. Oh, oh my God, that's amazing. <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah, so yeah. Uh, physical comedy seems to be, seems to be a, a popular thing. Well, and I love it so much as a fat person because fat bodies are not treated well. 
And you just being in your body, like you said, jiggling about in your bikini or whatever it is that you're wearing. And, and I feel like the more that we can, we, I know that actually I just posted recently, I have, um, I, I've done some neuroscience coaching work. So I kind of follow a couple of neuroscience, um, sites. And there was an article recently about, and we know this to be true, but I'm just glad they're finally like proving it with research, <laughs> these things we've known forever. But it is absolutely proven that if we see more diverse bodies, you know, discrimination, bias, all of the nastiness is diminished. And so seeing your body jiggling about in your pool, dancing and saying, I'm wearing a bikini, I'm not going to die. It, it's contributing to that. And it's so important. And it just normalizes, normalizes that bodies are different. And yeah, that's a huge contribution. It really is. I also wanted to ask you about this might be comics or other performers who get upset when they are called out, possibly called in, uh, told not to use marginalized identities for their comedy. I am a huge, I love stand-up. Every stand-up special that comes out, I want to watch it. But I will say I have mostly stopped watching straight white men because most I'm just so frustrated. A lot of, not everyone, but a lot of their comedy is making fun of people who are not as privileged as them merely because they are white and straight size and a man. And it really pisses me off. And then they complain about, well, I can't just say anything anymore. I hate that shit. So <laughs> what is your hot take, Kara? What, how do you feel about that? Being in this industry, <laughs> the rage. Can I just say the audacity of men mostly to say that women and femmes are not funny? Please. Their comedy is so lazy. It's so... It is. There's no wit. Yeah. The audacity of people to say fat people are lazy. No, your comedy is lazy. Sort it out. Yes. Drives me bananas. I, I can't stand it. Well, I just... What I don't get, though, is like the doubling down. I just think it's horrendous. I always see it. I didn't always. I didn't always... But I, like I said, having dismantled some of this stuff, I always see it now as a privilege if somebody calls me out or calls me in because it's like, you didn't have to take the time to educate me here. You could have just told me to fuck off if I've messed up. But the fact that you've come to talk to me and spend your time telling me where I've gone wrong, that is a blessing. And people should, I think, take it like that and not be so defensive. There's something I try and teach my kids as well. Like if you've made a mistake, that's normal. We can't go through life avoiding mistakes, but how we deal with them, that's, that's where people can, you know, you can be judged on that because, you know, there's, there's ways you're either learning or you're not learning from it. It's the doubling down that drives me mad, mad. But then I, I just also think you, they cannot stand there and say there's no other options. This is the way they're acting. Like all comedy has been stripped from me. Dude, go and look at other people who are not being called out on a daily basis. Watch other comedy. Diversify your what you're consuming. But they don't want to do that. They just want to, you know, and you know what? Fine. If you want to sit and have a circle jerk with the rest of your male comedians, you know, I, go and do that then. Do it privately away from everybody. <laughs> you're not getting paid for it. Sorry. No. Go and do that on your own time away from everybody else. Like, if that's if that if you're really worried you can't say anything anymore, no. What you mean is you can't say anything publicly and get paid for it anymore, which is exactly how it should be. Yes. And people don't realise exactly how much their comedy, quote unquote comedy, is contributing to bigotry. This is this is what they don't understand. That's the problem that I have with it exactly. When they're like, it's just a joke, like do 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 do. It's like no no, hang on, you're contributing to a bigger problem in the world actively knowingly contributing that's okay you're just okay with that i put something on my instagram the other day about i'm begging comedians to stop making fat people the butt of their jokes because i think with fat phobia as well it's one of the few remaining things that are really still seen as acceptable like you obviously can't be racist there's still a lot of ableism around and transphobia but you know people shy away from homophobia 
but with fat phobia, it's just seen as it's okay a lot of the time and it still gets put out there on TV. And so I put up a post about this and someone commented and they actually tagged a famous comedian and said, yeah, I, I, I stopped going to comedy because this guy in particular was awful and said something really fat phobic. And he came to the post, wrote an essay defending himself basically saying, oh no, I've got no problem with fat people, but actually I was completely right to slag off this disgusting fat couple. And he just went in hard. He was so rude. I'm like, dude, you've just done a massive fat phobia again. (laughs) And he just wouldn't listen. He wasn't having it. He was like, but I'm allowed to do that because fat people are disgusting. That was basically his argument. What a dick. Okay. So what, what did you do? Oh my God. I, well, I, I was having it out with him basically until he just basically shut up oh, and went away. But he was like, and then he says, like, oh no, I have listened and I probably won't do that joke anymore. And it's like, great, but you're still, you literally think it's fine to sit here and talk about how disgusting you find fatness. Like that's the problem. And then he tried to do the whole thing of like, well, I've been fat and I, I've been heckled on stage for being fat. I'm like, and did you enjoy that? No. <laughs> And why did that happen? Because people like you ridicule fatness. Come on, join the dots here, please. Maybe I should do a cool, a cool video and pretend he's calling. <laughs> you know what? That would, I think you should actually. <laughs> but yeah, they just, they, they just don't see it. They don't, it's like, no, but we're allowed to hate these people. So we're allowed to shit on them. No, you're not allowed to do, no. Why do you, why are you going through life thinking it's okay to just write off an entire group of people? as having certain undesirable characteristics, according to you. Why do you think that's okay? It's like 60% of North American population. I don't know if it's the same in the UK, but in North America, 60 to 65% is a size 16 or higher. So that's the majority and you're just shitting all over them. Yeah. How? I don't understand how the brain's of this type of person work I can't I can't understand it no I just it's and it's I mean he did this guy didn't particularly say we can't say anything anymore but it was just his doubling down on on the whole idea that like it's okay to shit on fat people because they're disgusting it's just and it was it was the use of that word as well particularly that word it's like and he went and he used quite a few synonyms for disgusting as well like he went in hard and it was like, you're just trying to justify your crappy jokes by reinforcing horrible stereotypes that you have also been harmed by. Why would you want to perpetuate that? Why? It's just this, I think people get caught up in this idea of like a uh, like a sort of social hierarchy. So it's like, I need to consistently be reminding people that they're down here so that I can feel safe up here. And it's, that's what people get stuck on and they don't want to let it go. They just don't want to let it go. No. Sonia Renee Taylor talks about it in, I think it's in the body. It's not an apology where it's like the hierarchy of bodies. And at the very top rung is, you know, cis, white, neurotypical, male, rich, privileged, all that stuff. And then the rest of us are kind of scattered down the ladder and we're all trying to get up. And we spend our lives trying to get closer to that quote unquote, ideal that's been given to us by white supremacy and racism. I mean, why are we on this goddamn ladder? And so, yeah, I think people, it's, there's like a moral superiority. I'm a better person because I'm further up the ladder than these, you know. And what are people chasing though? What they're chasing is a body that will free them from scrutiny and judgment. And it's like, maybe if you stopped doing that to everybody else and we all stopped doing it to, it's like that Spider-Man meme where everyone's pointing at each other. It's an image with three different Spider-Men from like parallel universes or something. And they're all pointing at each other. And um, it gets used, you know, to, the picture gets used to point out various different things, you know, people that are at odds with each other. But it's that, it's like, we're all doing this to each other. We're taught to all do this to each other. If we all just stopped, we wouldn't consistently be chasing this ideal. You know, we just be happy. Everyone wants to just live live their life free of judgment and, you know, to do whatever they want as long as they're not hurting anyone. Yeah, it's so true. Oh, so what you're saying, Kara, is you don't have the ultimate answer for how to fix anti-fat bias. <laughs> is that what I'm hearing? No. Your comedy is doing a really good job, though. 
It, you know, people just need to loosen their grip on it a little bit. Like that's all. Just, just, just let me in. Let let me get a toe in the door, and then I'll be fine. But no, they're just holding firm. They don't want to let it go. Yeah, yeah. Well, I am so glad that your comedy is out there and getting toe holds into people's brains. I love the idea of your toes in people's brains. That makes me really happy. <laughs> Um, so Cara, I want to come to joy. How do you stay connected to joy? How do you choose joy? What brings you joy? My, my thing in, ter- in terms of being in a fat body, I've always loved to dance. I love dancing. I'm not the best at dancing. I love moving body. I love moving my body in a non-prescriptive way. So, you know, I, I love, don't get me wrong. I love a good dance routine. If the Macarena comes on, I'm up. I'm the first one up. But I also love just, you know, freestyling and looking like a bit of a Wally while doing it. Like it's just, there's nothing more freeing than, you know, just rocking out to a good tune, moving your body the way it wants to go and not trying to force it into different directions. And I think that's like, actually, now I've said that out loud, it's quite a good metaphor for life, actually. Not trying to force your body into some prescriptive movements. I might have to write that one down. (laughs) But yeah, that's um, just not not feeling anymore that stuff like that is out of my reach because I'm a fat person. Not feeling I can't do that because there was a time I wouldn't even do it at home. You know, I wouldn't even do it at home on my own because I think I'd be conscious myself, just me and myself in the house of what was jiggling and what was, you know, looking looking not pleasant according to my silly, you know, uh, beauty ideals idea in my head I, I just, that, and how sad is that that's so sad so now that's it no time for that anymore and you know even though I've been on this body acceptance journey for a long time I sometimes this is no exaggeration I sometimes move myself to tears when I'm just having an amazing time just moving my body and especially when I'm dancing away with my kids and we're all having a good time and you know we're all shaking every part of our bodies and that to me is just, yeah, the ultimate, the ultimate joy of being silly and free. And yeah. I'm just picturing that. That's so, I've got like so many warm fuzzies as you're talking about that. That's beautiful, Cara. Thank you. And thank you for this conversation. Thank you for the work that you do in the world. I'm so excited to continue following your journey. And I just, oh, just, on behalf of a fat person who gets to enjoy your comedy and have it be about fatness, but not where my body's the butt of the joke. Thank you for that. Thank you for having me. Before we go, I'd like to read a poem because poetry can reach our hearts in a different way. Poems can have us feel in a different way. And that's what this podcast is all about, expanding our hearts, deepening our empathy, and inviting in joy. So each week, you get a new poem. Recording the podcast today with Cara McBee has me reflecting on how rebelliousness and resilience can work together to help us create our biggest, our best, our most fulfilled lives. Cara follows their innate wisdom, paying attention to the ideas that drop into their mind, whether it's in the middle of the night, middle of the day. Um, And I kept thinking about how they trust their own intuition, their own momentum. So for the poem for this episode, I've chosen a poem by Maya Stein that's called After Takeoff. And here it is. You have to bear first the lineup of the runway, that sloth crawl towards a moment when the stretch empties and the voice in the booth says, go. Then the brief terror of momentum, all torque and speed and wings climbing invisible air before it's smooth again, which leads you to that long and liminal plateau the non-space where you hover above filmy clouds and dim landscapes and ideas of no origin or trajectory. And you must sit there, waiting as the turbines race. 
But this is when a certain longing ripens, blooming quietly as the plane arrows on. You feel it when a bump hits, something in your heart kicking in, the desire to live so magnificent. You reach towards the window and whisper, higher. Thank you for joining me today. My hope is that you're feeling a little less alone and a little more seen. So until the next episode, you can find me on Instagram at fatjoy.life, on YouTube at youtube.com slash at fatjoy, and on Patreon at patreon.com slash fatjoy. Please do check out the show notes for how you can connect with my amazing guest and for the links to the poem. All right, lovely. I am sending you off with my best wishes for an abundantly fat joy day. And I look forward to talking to you again soon. Bye-bye.